0: all right well why don't we go in and get started I think we have the majority of people on I'm sure a few others will, will join us shortly we have a real, real good turnout there's a few people that can join us uh, in fact one, one of the people that can join us today is, is David Sykes our city manager but uh, he did want me to convey to the group that uh, his intention is to to get to just about every single one of these meetings today. He had a conflict that he couldn't avoid, but uh, he wanted me to share that with the group. Uh, but you will definitely be seeing him on this uh, on this call um, going forward. Uh, he he of course was with us last time as well. Uh, welcome again, everyone. Angel Reals, Deputy City Manager with the City of San Jose here, and uh, we got a uh, we're, we're we're really continuing kind of the you know part two of kind of the the onboarding of of, of this group around this work. Um, at our last meeting, we kind of kicked off kind of really trying to create a, a, a sense of community around uh, the goal of reimagining community safety. Um, and so we spent the bulk of the time last time, you know, really just getting to know one another. I know many on this call already know each other, but there's a lot of people that still, uh, you know, do not know one another. So you know, if we're talking about community, we want to start with, you know, making sure that we're building community. And so, uh, and today kind of continues, uh, in that spirit, right. It continues in, in that realm. Um, and I know there's a few people that, are, that have joined us today that weren't at our last meeting. Uh, and, and if so, can you, uh, maybe raise your hand? Cause what we'd like to do is at least, uh, go back to you and have you introduce yourself to the group. Um, and uh, in fact, I see one right now. Uh, Paula, uh, I know Paula Escobar. This is your first meeting here, uh, and we'll have you just do two two real, real simple and quick things. One is, you know, of course, introduce yourself, and then secondly, um, just um, you know, answer, you know, speak to what does uh, reimagining community safety mean to you, and and just you know, very very briefly. But uh, so, Paula, why don't we why don't we start with you if you don't mind?
1: Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Paula Escobar, and I go by she, her pronouns. I'm currently a high school student at Evergreen Valley, and I also represent San Jose District 8 on the San Jose Youth Commission. Um, I believe when we reimagine community safety, that means investing in our community and our youth, and that also means a priority on education and also community-based safety.
0: All right. Thank you, Paula, and 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 welcome. Um, h- h- anyone else? Um, anyone else that wasn't here last meeting? And, and I may need some help because I, I got multiple screens here. So I may need some help identifying folks. Hey, uh, hey Angel, I, I've got my hand up. Yeah. Uh, so,
2: so my name is Paul Joseph. I'm the Assistant Chief of Police at San Jose PD. Not, not new to the police department, but new to this assignment. This is my third, end of my third week uh reimagining public safety to me means first of all uh finding out how best we can partner with the community to find out how the police department can serve uh how what what our role is what the community's vision for our role is and how we can best tailor um our
0: approach to safety with that in mind all right and thanks for being here um and then uh, i also see uh shay shay franco clausen
3: Yeah, um, first of all, thank you for welcoming to this space. Um, I'm Shay Franco Claussen. I'm elected official here in Santa Clara County for Open Space Authority, as well as um, formerly incarcerated and married to a police officer. So I have a very unique perspective about how I reimagine um, with the, the many intersections. So I'm hopefully here to listen to perspective and understand what this coalition is going to, what the output of this coalition is going to be that's going to impact all of San Joseans.
0: All right. Ooh, welcome, Shay. All right. Uh, I, I don't see any other hands, but. Um,
4: yeah, I'm I wasn't here last time either. Um, Latoya Fernandez, community leader, um, just thinking about reimagining uh public safety a couple things one uh reimagining a system where we're completely eradicating the current system of policing as is it's obviously not effective Um, and two one that is going to be driven by the voices of the youth and those that are um impacted by the system most heavily i'm definitely interested in seeing more youth in this space Uh, and when i say youth i mean actual students elementary, middle school, and high school students in this space, so really excited to see that and also wanna make sure that this is not another space where people of color are gonna be tokenized uh, for our voices and our experiences without any real action. So I'm here to definitely make sure that we're generating real outcomes, thank you.
0: All right, thank you and welcome Latoya. Uh, Anyone else, I don't see any other hands here, uh, but I also don't have all the screen, so is there anyone else that wasn't here last time? All right. Uh, all right. Then well, well, once again, welcome, uh, to those of you that just joined us. And, and then the, the next order of business, Want to want to really introduce, um, uh, our consultants. Uh, I, I mentioned last time that we were also seeking some consultant help. Uh, you know, the work that we have over the next six months is going to be pretty, uh, you know, it's going to move fast and, and there's going to be a lot of work that we're going to need to get done in the interim. And so we have definitely uh, brought on a consultant firm to help us with that. You'll get to know them a lot uh, in, in the near future. But, but let me let me turn this over to Cece Vu, and, uh, and Cece, maybe you can introduce your team and, and yourself and uh, Welcome.
3: Thank you, Angel, and and the city team and uh, advisory group members for welcoming us here today. We're here today just to introduce ourselves and really observe, um, and we're really looking forward to working with you all closely on this effort. Um, My name is Cece Vu, as Angel indicated, I'm with a firm called Kearns and West, um, and uh, my team here will be introducing themselves. But um, I'm, in representing them in, initially, I just wanna say what an honor it is to have this opportunity to support you all as we drive this really important effort toward Im- reimagining safety for San Jose. Um, and, and in leading this team, I bring my lived experience as a Bay Area native from an immigrant family. My family still lives in San Jose and I consider it um, my home community. Um, and so as such, I understand and, re- and care deeply about giving this community a fair chance and a safe environment to thrive. Um, Likewise, I um, have extensive experience uh, working with local, state, federal government um, on controversial issues and understand the need to collaborate with communities on driving policy. Um, I I also offer my rigorous background in equity policy and processes environmental, restorative, and procedural justice, community mediation, and facilitation um, to help bridge communication around interests, needs, and opportunities. Um, And I've assembled a strong team to facilitate um, um, and help support this group through difficult conversations that you will have. You will be front and center, um, and uh, with grit, humility, and we will be behind the scenes and uh, impartially supporting um, your deliberations toward recommendations to the city for a safer community. Um, And with that, I just wanna hand it over to um, my team. Abby, do you wanna introduce yourself? Thank you again for this opportunity.
1: Thanks, Cece. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Abby Fulham. I use she, her pronouns. And so I'll be supporting CeCe and Charles on this facilitation team and trying to help guide the overall advisory group process. I'll also be handling a lot of the logistics, so please reach out if there are any ways that I can better support all of you all uh, doing the work on this advisory group. Um, In my work, I prioritize equity, inclusivity, and transparency, and I have experience in supporting collaborative decision-making processes like this and in community and policy mediation. Uh, I'm looking forward to supporting the work of this advisory group and hopefully getting to know all of you better. So thanks for having me today. And Charles, I believe you're next.
5: Okay. Well, thanks so much, Abby, and and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Charles Harvey, also with Kearns and West. Uh, and uh, you know, just to mention, we we're a small San Francisco-based uh, woman-owned firm with a, a focus on conflict resolution, like Cece alluded to. Um, and so yes, we we support you know groups like this. You know, really made up of participants with uh, with diverse viewpoints, expertise, and lived experiences. Um, you know, in an effort to build shared understanding, collaborate, and ultimately, you know, make some decisions. And so, our role here in this effort is, uh, you know, really just to help guide the advisory group, guide you all through a collaborative and transparent process, um, and in so doing, really make space for your interests, uh, concerns, and ideas to be heard. And so. Um, you know, I'll say just, you know, given my own lived experience as it relates uh, to issues of race and, and law enforcement, uh, originally from the Midwest, uh, straddled between uh, the suburbs in, in Wisconsin and Michigan and, and inner city in and, and St. Louis, Missouri. Um, you know, moving to California, I can just say I'm, I'm just personally excited and humbled really for this opportunity to, to interface with and, and learn from you all uh, throughout this process as we explore um, know, what you all believe to be, you know, reimagining community safety, you know, what that looks like for the city of San Jose. So, um, I'll just say, you know, I'll end it at that. I I appreciate your time and really look forward to working together.
0: All right. Thank thank you, Charlie, Abby, and Cece. Uh, (laughs) welcome aboard and, uh, we're in for a a, a good ride here. Um, all right, uh, th- there's a couple of other people I also want to kind of point out. Uh, it, many of you have already been in direct contact with Gina Espejo, and so Gina is our, our, is our point of contact. So if there's anything uh, that you need, uh, you need information on, it, you need uh, assistance with Zoom, uh, it, basically all things, uh, you know, centralized point of contact, that would be Gina Espejo. And what she'll be doing is based on the inquiry, based on the request, Based on uh, what's being asked, uh, she'll kind of vet that with the rest of the team uh, and, and make sure it gets to the right person. Um, so, so so, there's Gina. Uh, and, and again, thank you, Gina, for all your help um, with a lot of the work that you do behind the scenes, uh, a lot of work behind the scenes. And then I also want to introduce Peter Hamilton. And uh, Peter Hamilton is uh, will be our project manager for this effort. He'll be the one that's kind of like leading and driving, kind of ensuring that we're on track, that we're, we, we we stay on scope, and we stay on point. Um, and so, Peter, let, let me just uh, have you introduce yourself very quickly.
6: Thank you, Angel. Hello, everyone. My name is Peter Hamilton. Uh, I'm a senior executive analyst in the city manager's office. Um, and like Angel said, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll be the project manager on this project, and um, I really look forward to working with you.
0: Right. Thank you, Peter. And, and Gina, uh, would you like to introduce yourself?
7: Hi, everyone.
8: It's nice to see you all here. And I know I've emailed and spoke, spoken with uh, a few of you. So I look forward to getting to know you all better. And um, like Angel says, if there's anything you need regarding the meeting or I any mean, information, uh, feel free to contact me
0: all right thank you um and so so moving along so as you know um you know last meeting as as i mentioned earlier it was really about kind of really starting the onboarding process really trying to create a sense of community around this reimagining community safety idea and goal we also know by by you know looking around this zoom call that you know there's gonna be divergent perspectives um and one of the one of the open-ended questions i wanted to ask and and we don't really have time to address it on this agenda today but if as you look at this group, if you feel that there's certain perspectives that are missing, uh, I ask that you you send uh, that information over to Gina, and then that way uh, we'll vet that back office to make sure that uh, that that we have the proper representation. And of course, you know, keeping in mind that you know to really represent a city as big as, as, as San Jose, you know, it, it's it, it's next to impossible to have everybody on this advisory group, right? So we're really looking at this group as serving as As uh, as kind of, you know, a central sounding board that has access to other key constituencies. Right. And so, for example, I'll give you an example. Paula Escobar is is a youth commissioner for District 8. Uh, She has access to the rest of the uh, uh, city youth commission. So every youth commissioner from the district, she will be able to have access to. Uh, and then we'll be able to gain their input. And then, of course, each youth commission who has, you know, youth advisory councils and all, you know, we'll also be able to pull uh, their, you know, uh, feedback in as well. And so so this group will not be the only group, you know, providing, you know, input, but, but this group really serves as kind of the ambassadors, uh, if you will, or kind of the conduit to other constituencies. And that's really one of the reasons why we reached out to you all, because we know of the constituencies you have access to. And so I just wanted to kind of, you know make that point um and then uh and then today at, at well similarly uh, jim carter i see uh, i see jim uh, jim there you know he's the chair of the neighborhoods commission and so similarly um each each commission each uh, district is re- represented on the youth on the um neighborhoods commission i know there's some some vacancies that we're working through right now on that commission but uh, similarly to Paula's situation uh, Jim will be able to access repres- representatives from each council district as well right and and, and again just you know our, our goal is to kind of make sure that we we're, we're, we're capturing the neighborhood voice as well and and we're especially interested in capturing voices that traditionally or historically have not been heard right or don't have necessarily a formal uh, you know conduit or avenue to city hall um, so so with that in mind and, and in that spirit today's agenda is kind of like I would say kind of part two of this onboarding and and, and angel
9: i'm yeah. sorry can i interject i there's yeah. somebody who's joined us who also wasn't able to introduce themselves at the last meeting and i'd love to give an opportunity to mr shannon rivers
0: okay who's okay shannon okay uh i don't see you. there you are here i am yeah.
2: all right good, good afternoon welcome. everybody uh my name is shannon rivers i'm a uh American Indian Cultural Liaison for Indian Health Center here in Santa Clara Valley. We have seven facilities uh, throughout and we serve uh, the community, not only native community, but the entire community of San Jose when it comes to medical counseling, uh, therapy. Um, So uh, one of the things that I did not, uh, I was not uh, able to introduce myself at the last meeting, everybody went except I think there was a few of us that didn't go. But I believe that, that really critically, uh, Native voices are uh, really, uh, there's a lot of erasure within this city and with cities around the Bay Area, Los Angeles, Sacramento, and if we know anything about the history of indigenous peoples and Native people in California, they have been marginalized, they've been genocide. Uh, there's, uh, there's over 109 tribes in uh, California. uh, And uh, I believe that uh, we need that voice uh, to shed. Uh, Indian Health Center uh, is now becoming more highlighted because of Deb Holland, who is now the Department of uh, Interior. Uh, And so uh, we are looking to not only increase our voice uh, locally, but uh, to also demonstrate that Indigenous peoples uh, when it comes to this idea of reimagining, that we have a different perspective when it comes to community development and community policing. Uh, So uh, I think that's really critical. Just a real quick background of me. I got a master's out of UCLA. I'm a former delegate to the United Nations on the rights of indigenous peoples. uh, And I've been sitting on the board uh, here or uh, the committee here with uh, the City of San Jose with the selection of the next police chief and congratulations to that individual. But um, thank you very much. Thank you for this time.
0: Thank you, Shannon, and, and welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, anybody else before I, I move on? Is there anybody else uh, that has joined us since we started? Okay, if so, just let me know and then uh, then we'll do the same. So so we'll shift now and I'm going to introduce you, uh, you know, many of you know Sulma Maciel already already. Um, But what uh, what I started to say is really today is kind of like part two of that onboarding, you know, because as you know, you know, when you pull together people with divergent perspectives and and different opinions and ideas as to you know kind of where we go next around reimagining community safety, you know, there needs to be kind of a, a a way to kind of figure out how we're going to kind of reconcile areas of disagreement, points of contention, that kind of a thing, right? You know, we want to stay true to having a candid and very transparent conversation, and at the same time, we don't want this just to be a debate. Right, we we really want this conversation to translate into meaningful action that's going to ensure greater safety for our entire community. Right, that's the end goal. Um, and so, with that in mind, let me turn it over to Sulma, who will kind of walk us through some of the the proposed process processes that we would use going forward. So, Sulma, welcome. Great,
9: thank you. I hope you can all hear me. Um, and I think that Peter is going to run the slide deck. I just have a couple of slides to um, provide some proposed values um, to highlight the racial equity principles that we are beginning to apply to a lot of the work in the city of San Jose. Um, and then I'm going to run through highlights of the methodology. So, what is the process and what should we expect over the next few months? Um, so, it just uh, Going on to the next slide on, let's see if we could start. Yeah, there we go. Um, so I thought that, you know, in, in most work like this, especially when it's complex and there are multiple sectors involved and a very large group like this, it's important to ground, um, you know, the, the group in some values, which are basic and fundamental beliefs that guide or motivate attitudes or actions. Um, and so they will help, us to determine what is important to us and they'll help describe the the personal qualities that we're going to choose to embody to guide our actions um, and the manner in which that we approach this work. And so we thought that we'd at least begin with a set of values and and I understand that normally they're just like one word right but we felt like that we needed to add just a little more context about what we mean um, in in being authentic and inclusive community process. So we wanted to expand on that. So these again are just a a high level and just proposed or draft values for you to consider. Um, These draft values and whatever else emerges out of today's conversation will be, will help inform and shape the charter or the governing guide uh, for this advisory group. And so when you take a look at these, again, just very high level, just to I'm warm sorry, us up to, and get- i not us...
4: to interrupt you, Zama, but who created these values?
9: Yeah, so these are just to get started. These are some of the values that we've used within um, some of our work groups um, like in, in the city of San Jose, in the Office of Racial Equity, just to, to start so who, with.
4: Like who created these though?
9: I've, I took these from several documents within the city.
4: Okay. I find it best practice for us to create our own culturally responsive. Yeah. Okay.
9: Yeah. So now again, this is just to get us started, but so the the point on this and where I want to pause before we go on to anything else is to hear from you all about, now we could start over we could scratch the slide or we could just um, build on what's provided here today. And so how I, I think because there's um, numerous people there, you could either add, you could raise your hand and I'm gonna to attempt to find everybody who raises their hand so we can start jotting down the notes and the values that are most important um, to, to guide our work. And so, I'm, okay, I'm gonna start, I'm starting to see some hands. And if you feel like you also just wanna put it in chat, go ahead and do that. But I'm gonna start calling people as they appear on my screen. So just a reflection on what you think is missing. Peter or
10: Yes, uh, thank you so much Zuma. Um, so I guess this is uh, input but also a question. I see here the third uh, point being commitment to real change and action. That's you know something that I definitely would want for us to include as a value, but I just want to make sure um, how how much power will this committee have Will we be able to, uh, you know, create and and follow through with real change, because as this is a, a public meeting, and the public is seeing us, you know, promote ideas. Um, I think it'd be, you know, it wouldn't be authentic for us to come up with a plan and then us not be able to follow through with it.
9: Yes, Peter, and that's a fair question, you know, so what is that, um, what decision-making authority this group has is going to be important for us to define um, you know, the as, as I understand it, this is a collaborative approach, meaning that um, when we think about the spectrum of engagement, um, you know, we have from INFORM, which is very much of a one-way engagement, and then there's all the way to the other extreme, increasing impact on decision-making, which is power. And um, because we, you know, this is still local government, we believe that part of the approach will be the involved and collaborative aspect of that spectrum and that ultimately the mayor and the city council are the um, final decision makers. And so we wanna do our best work and be able to propose our best thinking about real change.
0: And so let me just add one more thing to that. Uh, There's, you know, this group is advisory to the city manager and then, uh, and so recommendations will be made to the city manager and and then Dave Sykes in turn, the administration will be going forward the recommendations to the mayor and council. And, and and I know there's you know there's 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 real and valid questions around well, you know, how, how real is this? And 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 I really think it's really up to this process, right? And it's really up to kind of the work that we do leading up to it. I will tell you that our intention is not to just you know have meetings and have debates and have you know conversations about that. I think there's other forums for that. Um, I, I think this is really about really framing the key issues staying true to our goal of ensuring uh, and, and really defining and ensuring uh, community safety for all and then uh and then putting forward some recommendations that that are substantive and resourced and make sense for some Jose and and that's uh and so some of this you know it's going to require a little bit of trusting the process right and at the same time we also can't guarantee exactly what the end result is because we don't even know what those recommendations are going to be yet right and so um so anyway yeah just to Trust the process is, I guess, all we can say right now.
9: I just realized that I don't actually have a chat box in this, so I'm not sure that
11: that's
9: (laughs) that's even an available feature here. So why don't, uh, if there are more hands, I'd love to hear from, from more of you. What's missing in this draft?
1: Paula. Um, I would add respecting everyone's lived experiences and viewing everyone in this call as professional colleague, Um, like especially I'm the youngest person on this call. I don't have a high school. I'm not I haven't graduated high school. I don't have like a PhD to my name, but I have lived experience and I have I'm representing probably about 200,000 people, all the youth in San Jose. And so um, I think that kind of acknowledging that um, there's going to be people who have lived experiences, and that's like a different kind of thing from having academic experience and also kind of recognizing us as all in this collective space is going to kind of put us forward and all put us on the kind of equal level so we can move forward.
9: That's fantastic, and thank you for adding context on respect. Um, well said, Paula. So we'll I- expand on that definition as well. Darcy. Darcy.
12: Hi, I apologize for it being loud. I'm background, but I'm looking at the repair in and build
9: trust. Is- I'm sorry, Darcy. I'm sorry. I'm having trouble hearing you. There's a echo. Or is that just me?
12: It's still echoing. I could try again another time. It's
9: still echoing. I'm not sure if it's even an echo. Maybe it's the background noise.
12: It might be. I'll. I'll. it's somebody else thank
9: you okay i don't i don't see any other hands okay well it's it's really not the last opportunity by the way to um to submit or to reflect on these values so um, essentially, what this will do is will help inform, like I said earlier, the, the, the charter. And there's a charter that will be created and develop, developed, co developed, and Crimson West is going to take the lead on that. And so we can get on the next slide, Peter. Um, this uh, charter will serve as an overarching governing guide for the advisory group to carry out its charge for the reimagining community safety work. Um, and this charter will Clarify roles and responsibilities, and also how decisions are made. Um, it's we're hoping you know that this is a collaborative process in order to develop it. And so, uh, after this meeting, Kearns and West will be sending out a short, um, a short survey to, to get at at least the starting aspects of a charter, and the values will be will help in building onto that charter. So more on that from Kern West, um, probably at the next meeting. So on the next slide, what I wanted to share with you um, is essentially the racial equity principles that we in the Office of Racial Equity are embedding in the city organization. And, um, you know, we're just starting, but I'm very um, excited and I'm very encouraged by the city of San Jose's leadership um, and and many other people within the organization, across the organization, who are willing to step into this work and not wait until we have it all figured out. But the racial equity principles essentially are, um, you know, there's, there's a process that you go through in order to help define that, to help inform decision-making. And part of that is um, re- being really clear and focusing on an, the impact. So defining that desired result um, is important, And this body will have the opportunity to do more of that. We'll be doing some exercises and at least starting the conversation at the next meeting. And then we'll um, spend much more time at the subsequent meeting and trying to get a, a shared vision for what um, safety looks like and feels like. So for us focusing on impact and outcomes um, and thinking through what is it that we're actually trying to achieve is, is important. The second piece of the racial equity principles that we apply in the city is data and analysis. And data and analysis, as you know, is just a a tool. It's just a a piece of information. It's um, in in a very specific time. And what's important about this is that we have to leverage the, the data, but we have to disaggregate it and analyze data by race. And if we can't find the data disaggregated by race, then we need to gather evidence to reveal the current conditions Um, for different communities in San Jose. And so even exercising this analysis portion of it means that um, we couple the data, we couple that with with other evidence or proxy for the data if we can't find it disaggregated by race. But most importantly, it's then um, integrated and um, with community voice. So centering community voice and lived experiences really adds texture to the data. The data is just a, a, a you know, information and a point in time, but including the insights from impacted community members is really what adds texture to the conversation and a perspective um, that you can't see from data. So the next piece in the, in the principles is also establishing accountability. And by this, I mean using performance measures to assess progress you know, how much, how well, and to the extent to which everyone is, or anyone is better off. And so I share these principles with you because um, this is a practice um, and again, very high level and going through it rather quickly, but it's these principles that actually help inform the methodology. So on the next slide, you'll also see just a very high level about what is, so what does this process look like? And Can I
8: interrupt you uh, before we move on? So you said that the data is um, disaggregated by race, but we know that within each of the race, there are um, sub or ethnic groups that fall under those categories. Um, Are those being disaggregated as well? Because that information would be important because the, you know, the makeup of, you know, Asian groups are, it's very wide and it varies a lot. So um, I think if we're disaggregating data, we have to break it down into smaller subgroups in order to um, really serve the community and know what the community's needs are that's right
9: absolutely agree with you Mimi and I think that that's part of the challenge right is that it's not currently in that way and so um even for the office of racial equity trying to define so what are the proxies are and that's why this you know where's the evidence? Where how where can we find more? Because it's not in its current form. So I guess the first question is what is the data that we ought to be looking for? And if it's not disaggregated by race, and how do we ensure that it becomes disaggregated by race eventually? And then um the next question is: so who's who's gathering the data? And and um, you know, maybe it's it's not being gathered by the by the right organizations. So there's a lot of questions around data that we need to unpack. And so I appreciate the question because. That is one of the biggest challenges in applying the racial equity principles and we get stuck. Um, But what I will say is, and I see some hands up, so just one final thing about the data is that um, over the holidays, the the team um, in the city of San Jose began building and constructing a San Jose equity atlas. And while it's not ready for for public view, um, we are adding layers of uh, demographics and to the extent possible where we can find that data. Um, but it's also showing the gaping holes and the things that we don't have. Um, And so it's just, we're just starting, Um, some city staff worked well into the holidays to build this system. And I can't wait for the day that I'm able to share it with communities so that you can use it as a tool to inform the work that you you provide. So um, let me take, let me actually pause then before I go into the methodology and go into, uh, it looks like there's two questions. So, or a couple of people. So Peter Ortiz followed by Hector Sanchez.
10: Thank you, Um, uh, appreciate these uh, racial equity principles. I have a question for number three, and this goes back to a question I mentioned, or at least a priority for me um, as a member of this group. Uh, Under lived experiences, will we be allocating time to hear directly from families of those who have been impacted from police violence, especially like individuals who have lost loved ones to police-involved shootings? And second, right, we also got to take into consideration, for example, the police involved shooting that happened in the east side, right, in, in, the, in an apartment complex in East San Jose where bullets were fired. Are we going to get perspectives from, you know, parents who have kids who lived in those apartments and are aware that, you know, police were shooting city-issued bullets um, near where their kids play? Um, how, how deep are we going to mm-hmm. go into this lived experience?
9: yeah that's exactly the point and you're right racial equity principles that is part of it is that you have to you have to hear from people who've been most harmed by policies practices or programs um that's the lived experience that we will be seeking and that's why this this advisory group while it's very large um you know you're also the sort of liaisons and conduits to help us reach those communities that we may not even be aware of and they, um, you know, they're, they exist in, in different parts of the city and, and being able to in, capture those voices um, and, and engage them is important. So thank you for emphasizing what we believe is critical to this work, is to get the voices from people who've been most harmed. Uh, Hector Sanchez
13: Flores. Yes, I just wanted to ask uh, clarify one thing, and I think... Uh, Uh, Mr. Thesis question alluded to it. My question is when I look at these racial equity principles, they, they're about moving forward. Uh, This is, you know, and it's very clear that this is what is desired, but how far back are we going to inform ourselves on the history of how these, the concerns that we're going to be addressing have been framed because it's, it's, we all come with a different body of knowledge about what's history has how history has impacted our communities and our families and ourselves, and I think that's one of the dilemmas of, of racial equity principles uh, that people are attempting to correct uh, because it's not stated there. The second part is on the data and analysis. Um, you know, one person uh, highlighted I, I, I overlooked. Uh, who she, she made a great question about demographics, but I have a more fundamental question. Is that? My experience is that much of the data that was collected was collected because systems or entities wanted, they they had an objective for that data. And in my experience, much of that data has been uh, created and, and cultivated with a deficit lens, such as what's wrong with these communities. And then they collect data to substantiate that. Less data has ever been examined from what communities carry as an active asset that we can build from. And so when I see data, you know, in addition to all the demographic specification, those are the questions that I I would like somebody to address. Otherwise, I'm going to presume that it's like the basis of research historically being deficit-based and what's wrong with the community, how do we justify what we do to communities, and unless it's explicitly stated that it's not that kind of data, that's my presumption.
9: Yes, I, I told, and I agree with you. I mean, that's why that just looking at data is problematic because it's you know who's who's collecting the data and for what purpose, and um, and and what this doesn't take into account except for the analysis piece. You know, we, we begin to look at. And of course we have li- very limited time, but when we, we start to do root cause analysis and really start to unearth the, so why is this happening? And why has it happened historically? And why did it happen to this community? And what policy created the, the undesirable outcomes that we're seeing in black and brown communities? And why did this? you know, when you start asking those, why's, and you start getting to the root cause? That's where you begin to uncover the history. Um, now, while we have time to do that, it, it kind of depends on how many things that we this group de- desires to work on right so we have the shared vision for safety and we decide that there are you know two to three things that we really want to focus in on in the next six months then possibly we can have um, the opportunity to do that root cause analysis that's going to get to the history and I agree Hector you can't you know look forward without really understanding how we even got here right and that past and that uh, the historical legacy of you know well, and now I'm going off track, but yes, 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 yes. So Sparky and then uh, Latoya.
14: Um, my comment was more about input from this group versus maybe audience that's observing this. Cause I got an email from somebody saying they were trying to say something but they didn't feel like they could or they're that they, you can't see their raised hand. And I guess that was my question Is there an audience that isn't allowed to speak up like we are with a raised hand or how's this whole sort of committee process observed, I guess it's just a comment.
0: I'll address that. So at the end of of each meeting, we will have public comment and that will be open. And so uh, anybody who's interested in uh, making a public comment on any of the issues that were discussed will be welcome to do so.
14: Okay, it might be just good to do that at the beginning of every meeting, Angel, just so people know. So they don't email me, they they know they'll have a process at the end. So thank you guys.
0: Yeah, good good reminder, we we will do that. We'll make that announcement on the front end, thanks.
9: Natalia, you're next.
4: Um, My question was around data analysis too. Will, will we be reaching out to communities who have also collected data around this stuff too that is accurate, right? Cause like, I mean, we don't really got to reinvent the wheel like community groups have been working on this stuff and have collected real accurate data. So was wondering if that stuff will be kind of considered and factored in too.
9: Well, that sounds like an incredible opportunity um, to begin to catalog whatever you all have to bring in terms of um data and um you know and and especially if it's disaggregated by race so i'm going to have to make a note of how we begin to to collect and share data that that's an important aspect of all this thank you latoya i see fred and then paula
15: who goes first paula fred okay thank you uh michael concerns, once again, like everyone else's, is data analysis. How current is, is it going to be? And, and the data that you've already accumulated, uh, how current is that? And and what methods did you use to gather that data?
9: Yeah, so I, I think it's it's difficult to, to answer that question because we're not sure exactly what, um, what particular things we want to focus on as a group. Um, I think that once we, be, we have at least a consensus of what are those two, three things, or maybe four that this group wants to focus on, then we decide, okay, so where's the data and is it accurate and how current it is? And you know, I, I, I can't answer that that question now, but I think that will be
15: revealed as we continue this work. But this group is gonna make a supreme effort to make sure that the data that we do gather is going to be the most current data available to the group. Yeah, and, and you
9: know, the thing is that we, you know, the, so the city has data, the county has data, um, but it sounds like community groups have been collecting data very for very targeted communities, and I think that that would be an important um, layer to all of this. So really counting on the advisory group to help inform.
15: Yes, because my my thing is, you know, are we going to be looking at data that's, the, you know, every three years, five years, 10 years or whatever. But like, uh, I think her name was Miss Latoya was saying, you know, there's those subgroups in the community groups that uh, we need to more or less um, piggyback on whenever possible because it's, uh, you know being on commissions myself it's imperative that we bring in uh, as much information as we possibly can and decipher that information to the betterment of the citizens of san jose
9: yes that's right and that's and that's part of why we have so many representatives as part of this advisory group because we're trying to to capture all of that um paula and then poncho was, um, yeah
4: paula, to add
1: on wanted? to what Ms. Fernandez and Mr. Sidbury said, I believe that when we look at data, they're like, just like, like as I said, there's so many different ones available and so many community organizations who have like so much experience, and like everyone who works there are directly in the experience are like directly living in the communities have done that research already. And I so think inviting them and hearing their perspective would be really important. And I think with that, in terms of doing analysis on that, it's important that we take a deep dive into the several intersections of different issues, particularly, for example, how um, the p- current policing system has failed domestic violence survivors, um, survivors of sexual assault, um, how the system has failed um, disabled youth, how it has, has hindered the well-being of so many communities of color and I think when we kind of establish those intersections and acknowledge them then we'll be able to make create a lot of momentum in terms of what we can do to better serve our community and I think also when we center community voices like I think definitely this group straight up just needs more young people and I think particularly we need people who are formally incarcerated um this youth with special needs, um, foster youth. There's so many different um, avenues of voices that we could bring in. And however, they're just like not being reached out to. And I also, as someone mentioned previously, when we have like um, a public comment, we need to make sure that we're doing enough outreach so that communities are aware that these beings exist and that they'll be able to come up here and feel safe enough to, um, adri- to just bring up any concerns that they might have.
9: Yes, to all of that, thank you. Um, And you know, actually, I wanted to say one more thing, Quantra, sorry, just 30 seconds. Um, On that item, center community voice and lived experiences, I guess what I also, what's also important to note about that is that um, centering community voices and having a meaningful community engagement process is a reliable research methodology that, 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 that elicits data. Um, and so I don't want to lose that, uh, but it because it's such a significant piece in the principles, I just wanted to identify that the data is gathered when we do um, meaningful community engagement. So, uh,
6: Boncho. Thank you, much. I just want to echo Paula, um, part of what uh, Paula brought up is the, it, will there be an opportunity for us to make process recommendations around the opportunity uh, to caucus and to be able to have subgroups that could be able to dive deeper into and center some of these voices in these conversations um, as we get prepared to develop some of those priorities and principles and making sure that there is an opportunity for that lived experience engagement to take place. For example, having having a space, like a part of a racial equity principle is is being able to create effective spaces for uh, voices to be centered and brought up, Uh, for example, youth voice, Looking at uh, you know uh, women and gender you know based uh, issues and and issues around mental health homelessness um, conversations around immigrant communities particularly undocumented community um, and and then uh, the opportunity to be able to delve into uh, again mental uh, uh, mental health types of interventions and support and being able to talk about that but also um, talking about um, maybe a subgroup working on uh, on accountability like systemic accountability um, um, and. and uh, looking at issues around training inherent bias and some other kind of systems things so is there an opportunity for us to be able to create some of those particular subgroups um, and to be able to be given resources so that we could actually make sure the engagement process happens with those constituencies in a way that really is able to bring out the, those perspectives um and again uh, and, and Paolo brought up a very important you know point like youth are a huge component when it comes to how our cultural state works um, and, and diminishes uh, youth voices. How are we able to make sure that we, we build that out if not as part of this, this larger committee because there's so many different folks. How do we make sure that that becomes um, brought in in a, in a level that is um, that centers um, equity and, and their, their, their impact um, uh, how they're impacted by the system? And, uh, and similarly, what Peter brought up is there an opportunity to talk about families and, and, and those that have been um, that have been the victims of police violence as well?
9: Yeah, and I think I could. I think there was a couple part questions there, and Angel can jump in. But Bontr, you know, I'm a fan about subgroups. I feel like a lot of the work gets done in smaller groups who are diving deeply into the data analysis, this the centering of community voices, all of that, and so. Um, you know, but we also recognize that that's going to pull people away from the other work that they're doing. And so how do we achieve that without burning you all with additional time? But that really is where the work takes place. Um, we also have, as you saw, the we have Crimson West, the consultant, who's going to help us map out the community engagement process. So we have the resource there um, to help with that kind of lift. Um, and so looking, oh, thank you, Cece, you're going to jump in. So looking forward to see how that's
3: mapped out. Cece? Zoma, thank you. I just wanted to chime in here. Uh, Hopefully, I'm not out of line. But since you mentioned our team, um, we do have an idea. And I think you're going to cover it later, Zoma and Angel. But um, I guess this is a good time as any. But uh, we do have an idea to conduct some initial assessment uh, group interviews uh, with the advisory group members. Um, And given that you're all so large, we were thinking of grouping um, the interviews uh, in sort of an affinity style group so that we can discover some of these um, ideas that you all have and, you know, really take into consideration the process um, that you all want for yourself. So um, I think that's, um, that's a next step would be for us to do that.
0: Yeah. yeah and, and if I could just add, you know, yeah, I think you, you raise a good point and, and we're almost going to have to do that. When you look at kind of just, you know, if we're, if we're going to be true to doing a deeper dive and to really hear from folks that we want to hear from, we're, we're almost going to need to use some form of a caucus process or, you know, something in order to do that deeper dive. Right. Because we know that we're not going to be able to capture every single perspective with a 40 plus member group. Right. And even a 40 plus member group uh, you know, most of the other cities that, that are, Trying to do this are 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 saying you know don't go beyond twenty right no we've already doubled that right so we're going to have to do that Um, but I I think what's going to be important is is once we get through these first you know few meetings where we kind of like you know establish kind of the framework and the understanding of how we're going to work together and once we start honing in on what are the areas that we want to really delve into as we begin to Formulate some areas of interest or recommendations, then that can help inform who we need to pull in, when and where, and everything else. But we definitely will prioritize that and resource it accordingly because that uh, that 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 would that's the right thing to do.
9: Shannon.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I think. You know, I think that's, that's really great. I think that uh, everybody has uh, specific uh, information, but I want us to maybe kind of, as Angelo or Angel said, is that uh, prioritize specific areas. Is it economic? Is it mental health? Is it a poverty? Um, is it uh, the militarization and the ongoing militarization and occupation of police in certain areas. Um, And I use that frame because that's what it is. That's the militarization uh, of uh, kind of uh, the displacement of people's voices. And more importantly, we need to look at what is the impact of white uh, supremacy uh, and uh, uh, patriarchy uh dominated by a a, uh, a culture of uh, misogyny and patriarchy what how does it impact us and what is our 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 overall goal to address these issues but those are some of the areas that I would argue uh, that are really important if we really want to dive into the history of why our communities are facing these issues uh, these are long stemming issues they're not something that just happened within the last uh, 30, 40 years. They've been going on since 1492 and since uh, 1776. So uh, you have to be, uh, you're you're asking an indigenous person to bring history uh, to a group. Uh, And in order for us to analyze uh, the struggles that we face, uh, we may not have the opportunity, uh, Zalma and Angel and uh, those of you on the team to go through these issues, but 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 in order for us to dive into uh, <clears throat> some of these experiences, where do they come from, why do they happen, and why do they exist so, so long? Um, so those are just my points really quick.
9: Thank you, Shannon. I'm incredibly grateful to have you in this space. And every time I speak to you, I learn so much. And that's part of why so many of you have been invited to be a part of this advisory group because you just add tremendous perspective and you remind us um, that while you know this is very difficult and complex work, um, it's not a coincidence about why we're at where we're at, right? There are historical legacies um, that have shaped this world and, and being, you know, creating the space to truly understand that um, is important. And, and, and you know, and I think the the challenge here is how do we? This is also a public meeting, <laughs> and, and how do we do that in a way that we can speak about the the history, um, but and also recognize that some, that history is traumatic, and that it also requires that healing space. And so, how do we balance all of that out? Um, so, I, I, I can tell you that for the Office of Racial Equity, this is you know, we this is also a learning environment because it doesn't just sort of end with this process, right? That ends in six months for us. This is just the, the beginning of continuous conversations about the way that we carry out our work. And so selfishly, that's part of why I'm, I'm super excited and super engaged in, in, um, in, in, this, in this advisory group, because I think that this is just the beginning of informing the way that local government um, uh, not only it advances racial equity, but um, works with, in community to achieve equity. How are we doing on time, Angel? I, I think I probably need to go to the next slide, and I don't see any other hands up. So I think I think we're okay. Um, okay. So again, just this is going to be very high level, and what this reflects this slide is, you know, what we call kind of the methodology, which is another word for process. Um, So um, in these boxes, while ideally we would have these in sequential order and we would have, you know, a good year um, run uh, to try to get some of this work, we don't. And so some of these things are going to be done simultaneously or they're going to be sort of layered. um, But in an ideal situation, you know, we have we have an agreement about what that desired result looks like. Um, and beyond having a shared vision for community safety, we also need to be clear about the desired result around a policy, a program, a practice, or a budget decision that this, green, that this group aims to achieve. So eventually we're gonna go through this brainstorming about okay, what are those topic things? What are those things that we wanna work on? And we need to be very clear-eyed about what it is, and what is that desired result um, for that policy, program, practice, or budget decision. Uh, the second piece, which is also, I think will be done in tandem with this, is this discovery, this research, this analysis. What do we know today? What does the data tell us? Um, what what else can help inform the work? The third piece is this community engagement component that will, I believe, take up um, most of this group's time and in making sure that we're really centering um, community voice and Uh, particularly those that uh, have been harmed or impacted. So this, the community engagement involves various communities. um, And so, and and like I said before, especially those that are most impacted, but that's where we obtain the insight. Um, Then on the fourth piece is to, the fourth piece is to propose strategies. So we have to consider who will benefit from or who will be burdened by these proposed strategies. And that's where we go through this, you know, some of the racial equity um, elements. And we have to ask these questions about, okay, are we reproducing a policy that's just going to produce the same outcome? Or are we truly trying to benefit the community that has been harmed the most? Um, And in that process, we have to be explicit about how the strategies advance equity. And if they don't really advance equity, we need to understand why not. And if there are ways to mitigate potentially harmful consequences, we need to address it. So that's just part of the, and that, and that's and that's complex, but that's a collaborative process on you know in section four. Then the the consulting with community is then uh, at some point we need to have an opportunity to uh, share the proposed strategies uh, with community um, and and get feedback. You know, do they make sense? What's missing? What are what are the blind spots? Um, you know, are they? Do they seem feasible, reasonable? Is that? Does will that actually get us to the desired result? And then ultimately, the city administration will finalize and present recommendations to the city, the city council. So, any questions on again, very high level? Um, you know, and I, I think part of the work with you all and um, the Prince and West team is to refine this methodology as we go along. But this is just, we wanted to share just a very high level about um, the process that we intend to approach this work with. Okay, I don't see any hands. Um, and this slide deck will be released to everybody afterwards. If you want time to reflect on it, um, do that, and one
10: happy hand. to take questions. Peter. There's one hand up, Tiffany has her hand up.
9: Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see that. Oh, Tiffany.
11: Oh, we can unmute ourselves, okay. Hi, thanks for um, taking my question. It has to do with um, slide two and three and some of the issues that others brought up on the slide before. There isn't really a lot of data around um, disability in our city at all. So I'm wondering, is it will we be able to reach out to youth that are detained and have focus groups there possibly to see how maybe um, unmet school needs have have been a factor, or what other needs might be a factor? Just because we're not collecting disability data for detained youth, only um, academic performance, which doesn't necessarily mean there's a disability, but kind of points to the possibility. And that's my question.
9: Yeah, that's a great question, Tiffany, because that's exactly the the intent here that we know that there are gaps in data. And really the only way to be able to collect data is through that, you know, the the focus group. So it's part of why we have you on the advisory group because we know um, that you are tapped into the community that needs to be heard. Okay, are there any other questions before we move on to the next item? Again, happy to, um, I think you all have my email address. Um, happy to have a conversation offline if there's any of this that you want to vet some more. So thank you. Angel, back over to you.
0: All right, thank you, Suma. Um So, so as, as you've heard, um, you know, this is this is the proposed framework that we're putting out there, and 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 start. You know, going back to to the the, the proposed um, value statements, and I think the operative word on that slide is draft, right? Because uh, th- those are some values that we've that we know as as we look back over the last couple of years. Uh, so, some of the values that have been identified uh, that ha- have helped inform the work that we've done around race and equity uh, h- here at the city. Um, and so we, we figured we'd kind of start with that, but again, the operative word is draft. I think we need to make uh, you know we need to kind of uh, you know adopt ours, you know, whatever fits right with this group. And so, and, and I think we probably need to do that pretty quickly. And so, if there's any additional feedback on values, please uh, provide that information over to uh, over to Gina, uh, or or even at this meeting here, and then uh, that way we could kind of you know shift towards. Um, incorporating these into the ultimate charter. Um, uh, I, I know a lot of this is kind of in the weeds and a lot of process work. And some of you may be saying, come on, let's get to the action. But you know, we really feel strongly that it's important that we kind of really kind of create a, a, a space, uh, just an understanding as to how we're going to go about engaging into this work, right? Because if, if we don't kind of set that initial initial groundwork, uh, you know, this can go in so many different directions, right? And, and, and it's very important that we that we work towards you know some meaningful recommendations and so that's kind of the thinking we're also not married to this uh, you know if, if there's if there's other recommendations around process please keep sending those recommendations over to us um, and we'll continue to to incorporate uh, those um, shifting towards preparing for action right and, and some of this already kind of came up in, in some of the questions that that, that came up um, o, o, over this last uh, over the last um, item but uh, you know we, we want to you know give you a sense of kind of what the next couple of meetings are, are, are going to be looking like what we have planned for the next meeting is um, in fact uh, <laughs> Peter if you could put up the, the you know the one slide that has the methodology and framework um, you know there's there's a couple of of deliverables that we want to really uh finalize and one is we want to get to really defining that shared vision for community safety uh you know that we started that process last meeting around what community safety means to you we'll continue that process through the through the survey that that and west will do you know between now and our in, in our next meeting but ultimately one of the deliverables there will be a uh a, an actual uh, shared vision that we that the group uh you know, agrees to to uh, to advance, uh, and and then and then we'll be moving into then kind of the discovery phase, right? And that's that's where we get into the data, the research, and the analysis. And and to kind of help kick that off, uh, we're going to be having. You know, many of you know there's a lot of 21st century policing efforts happening throughout the nation our San Jose Police Department has been engaged in that as well. So uh, we'll be hearing directly from our police department around their efforts around 21st century policing. And you'll be able to hear directly from, from, uh, from the chief and, and his team uh, around efforts around that. Um, and you'll also have an opportunity to, to provide input uh, and feedback into that. We also uh, are, are trying to, to lock in um, A speaker from either John Jay uh, University and or Urban Labs or or, or one of these other groups, these external groups that have been doing work around reimagining community uh, safety nationally, right, because what we want to do is we also want to uh, have you all hear from folks that have been engaged in this work. Uh, there's some pitfalls that, that and some recommendations they have around things to avoid, as well as things that we should consider. Uh, and we thought that that would probably be uh, good information for this group to have to help inform uh, you and the work that, that is happening. So our next meeting is already going to shift to that discovery phase. And then, of course, um, along those lines, we're going to start narrowing in a little more around, OK, what are the specific areas this group is interested in pursuing? You know, what, what are some of the, you know. And, 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 and along those lines, then, if we want to move in that direction, then what kind of research do you need? What kind of data do we need to access? What kind of information, uh, back to Latoya's you know, comment, what kind of information already exists within community groups, for example, that we need to share with one another? Um, so we want to kind of start capturing all that. And a lot of that work will be collected and disseminated in between meetings. right? So then that way, to the extent possible, you have this information in advance of these meetings. Uh, it's also during this discovery phase where we'll also be able to hone in a little bit more around, you know, back to Poncho uh, and, and a number of you uh, in, in your input, um, the recommendation around focus groups or caucus groups and, and deeper dives around, you know, uh, you know, folks that are formerly incarcerated, folks that are incarcerated, folks that are, that are impacted by a number of different, you know, issues related to community. Uh, it's it's through that discovery phase that we'll do the deeper dive around that. And a lot of these, it, it, this isn't really going to be a linear process, as you know, right? So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of start and there's going to be some intersect and, and we'll, we'll have some parallel tracks. Our, our goal is to make it, uh, is to facilitate as much of this for you as possible. Uh, and, and at the same time, um, you know, r- really kind of work with you during the meetings and in between meetings, to make sure that we're getting the right information, we're vetting it the right way, we're asking the right questions, we're having the right conversations, so that uh, ultimately we're leading towards uh, meaningful recommendations. And, uh, and so of course, the community engagement piece, I, I just kind of covered as part of that. And then uh, and as we get into this fourth stage of this process, that's when we get into proposing strategies system changes, you know, um, you know, the actual recommendations that that we want to get to. And and that's really kind of the meat of the process, if if you will. And then once we do that, then there's going to be kind of a a phase where we go back and consult with the community. You know, are we getting this right? Are we hearing you right? Are we you know, are we on track? Are we off track? You know, uh, and and getting that feedback uh, from the community. And then that, of course, then leads to then uh, recommendations going forward to city administration, our city manager uh, finalizing them, and then ultimately presenting these uh, recommendations to the mayor and council for action. Uh, so that's kind of the that's kind of the thinking. Um, now, having said that, um, what information do you all need for us to start collecting for you in order for you to do you know for you to carry out your role? And, um, you know, is there any data specifically that you would like to request or, or research or information? And then the second part of that is, uh, is there anything that you have or other information that you know of that already exists so, you know, uh, so that we aren't reinventing the wheel either that we need to be made aware of so then that way we make sure that we share with one another. And so um, let, me, let me turn that over to, that, to the group on that.
14: Hi, this is Sparky. I had my hand up a while back. Mine's still process, Angel, because there's like 40 plus of us on this call. Is there a way we can put the chat box live on this? So if people like all 40 of us suddenly have a data point, we can just write it in there instead of trying to speak up. At least on mine, I don't have that chat capability. So that was just my comment that might expedite some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, that chat feature would be good. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to work through that. I'm not sure we can because it's a public meeting, but uh, but let, let me follow up for sure uh, and and uh, see if there's any way that we can make that happen. But I, I'm not sure at this point, I don't have the answer right now. So um, I will definitely on, look into on that county,
14: I'm just saying on county meetings when we're having these kind of hearings, they actually do allow the chat. So I think they're both brown acted. So I just think that would be helpful.
0: Okay, we, we, will, we will definitely look into that. Any other questions, comments? Uh, uh, somebody may need to help me out with hands because I don't, uh, let's see here.
9: Uh, I see Mika, Latoya, Juancho, Peter. So we'll go in that order.
16: Okay. Thanks, Zulma, uh, I'll jump in. Um, Angel, I want to respond uh, directly to your comment about a presentation from law enforcement about 21st century policing, but I think my comment has broad applicability. And that is when there's gonna be a presentation from a department, um, particularly a law enforcement governmental department, I would hope that there would be a contemporaneous presentation from community. Um, So for example, if if law enforcement's gonna talk about 21st century policing, uh, I think that the time to hear from community about the propriety of, of some of those policies or the reaction in community to the, to the implementation of those uh, of those policies, the time to hear from them is at the same time that law enforcement uh, is talking about them. Or law enforcement should work collaboratively with a, uh, with a group from community to present the information together. Uh, I think it's critical to amplify the community narrative in this process uh, and to incorporate community voice and access to community Uh, uh, information that we've been talking about as data on the front end instead of talking about what's been happening what we're already doing and then going to community and asking how did we do Uh, what's your perspective on what's already been implemented Um, and so uh, again my my kind of broad comment is I hope that we can amplify community narrative by making all presentations um, from from uh, government and departmental agencies contemporaneous uh, with community presentation. Thanks, Angel. Okay. Thank you.
0: I think that's a good suggestion. And in fact, I welcome any uh, – if there's any groups that you feel have a uh, have a presentation or are in a position to provide that perspective, please share that with us as well. Uh, we'll do our best to look as well, but, um, you know, if, if you can also share some recommendations, that'd be really helpful. Um,
9: Toya followed by Poncho and Peter. Uh,
4: yeah, so I was gonna uh, add answer and a question. So you were asking about um, data uh, re- research that we might need or data that we might need, um, you know, to inform this work and who we should get it from and like stuff that already exists and. Um, I I know for sure, like with the youth, there is a lot of data out there around the youth and um, their feelings about public safety, their interactions um, within the system um, as observers, and then also specific movements, like the removal of school resource officers from campuses. So that's something I'm I'm asking too, is like there, there are things that already exist regarding the fight to reimagine public safety um, and are we also going to be? Are we going to be allies in that work that already exists that some of us are a part of? You know, rather than again like reinventing the wheel, because like there are active movements going on right now. Um, I think that correlate with this work. Um, and just thinking about reimagining public safety, like even reimagining, like if we're reimagining it, like why does it need to even be called the police? maybe it could just all be called public safety and we think about like that like all the way down like from from the ground up like how do we reimagine everything about this culture um and then the question i had was around when we said taking recommendations to a city manager's office and and city council and that kind of thing and then i saw one of the values was accountability i'm just interested in like what do we mean by accountability like if we because we know we already know how it happens people make suggestions all the time but the the city council does what they want the mayor does what he wants right and so at the end of the day when we say accountability are we saying that if we're bringing recommendations forward and they're not um adhering to those are we ready to organize and take action is that the kind of accountability we're talking about here and the other part of accountability is the things that already exist like officers that are still on the job right now who've killed community members that have not been held accountable. So I'm thinking about that in terms of accountability, like, are those the types of accountability that we're talking about here? Are those things that we're going to be able to, to, to champion here?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And it's also, you know, it's, it's a very loaded question. And here's the thing, and I think it's important to kind of distinguish between kind of what, what this is and what it isn't either or as well. So you know the the, the focus is on reimagining community safety, and and again we've yet to define you know kind of come up with a shared uh, definition of that. So whatever the, whatever we come up with as that definition, that becomes the overarching kind of vision around community safety. And and for starters, we one of the first moves we made is we did change the name from reimagining you know public safety to reimagining community safety, and that was an intentional. A decision to really broaden the conversation to engage but m- many more stakeholders than than, than we typically would in, in in that kind of a situation. Most reimagining efforts still refer to this as reimagining public safety or reimagining police. Right? This is reimagining community safety. And then the second piece of this is is that you know uh, you know given the the six month time frame that we have on this and and the process that we have you know, staying very focused on, on those, uh, on those committee safety recommendations that will be important. And then to the extent that there's issues that also spill over into police reform, those issues need to be also be captured, but then those will be addressed through there's a broader police reform initiative that the city is doing. And there's a greater work plan to that. And, and I realize that a lot of those are, are very uh, intersectional. Right. And so, so part of what we'll need to do is really you know, keep this on task around reimagining community safety, and then not ignore anything that's related to police reform, but take those and then make sure that that information is connected to that police reform work, right? And 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 uh, and so that's gonna again that's easier said than done, but I think that's going to be one of the challenges and opportunities that we have here. Um, and and then and then and then with respect to accountability as a value, I think that's what we as a group, you know you know it developing the team values or guiding principles or however we want to frame that is really about how we as a collective group are deciding we're going to we're going to kind of work together we're, you know these are the things that we're going to kind of use to help kind of drive the way we manage ourselves through this process right uh recognizing that there's going to be divergent realities right and uh, or perspectives i should say so um yeah but but yeah but i i hear the spirit of your questions and um, So yeah, it'll it'll, it'll be a, yeah.
4: Okay, sorry, I just have a quick follow-up question. So then it's community safety, and we can talk about police reform, but we're focused on community safety. But that's not like people coming here and being like, I don't feel safe in my neighborhood because of XYZ being here. I'm just trying to understand, like, when we're saying community safety, safe from who? You know what I'm saying? Like, from what? Because to my understanding, I was thinking law enforcement, like either like finding ways for the community and the current system of, you know, the law enforcement for us to figure out ways to work together, to reimagine it, to change it, to make it so that the public, and the the community and law enforcement can interact. Um, So I guess I'm just like trying to clarify like,
0: yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I totally understand the spirit of your question, and and that's what we're gonna really discover, or that's what we're gonna really delve into into that discovery phase, right? Is to the extent okay. that we identify issues that we that are of concern that we really need to address, that we're gonna look at the research, the data, the lived experiences the the you know the various perspectives and then kind of vet all that to kind of frame okay is there an issue here and if there is then what is the recommendation to address it and does that issue rise to the level of a higher priority over other competing priorities right and that's that's what we're gonna to have to work out during this process okay hopefully uh, okay uh, uh who, who else let me see i think there's Pontro next
6: yeah thank you angel i think i think that's covered much of what i was going to try to address but but i think i think we have to reconcile sooner or later these very different narratives that we're that that we are approaching right now is is the purview of what we're looking and maybe we need to live with that tension for a while because we may be trying to accomplish a couple different things And, and what i mean by that is is the narrative around we have systems that are flawed but we're here to reform them or as Latoya said very artfully when she was talking about her vision of community safety at the very beginning of this, we need to start over. It's a radical change of of rethinking and tearing it down and thinking of something very different. And so I think the narrative conversation that, that we may need to live with them, they may come together at the end or they may not, and maybe both things need to be part of this conversation is a narrative around accountability and reform that, the, that, these, that this system exists because it needs to exist and we need to do that? Or is there another narrative that we need to be centering, which is policing should not be the primary response to these social challenges. And we need to, uh, being safeguarded by violence is not safety. Um, it is, you know, we need a robust set of community uh, programs, resources, and other things to, of care, compassion, and empathy that, that precludes us from entering into a carcel set of responses to to these uh, to these issues So like that kind of narrative conversation we need to maybe you know maybe deal with that tension and and have those conversations together but um, but the second point I was going to make and, and thank you Latoya for bringing for bringing that that forward um, but I think the other thing that I wanted to make sure you had asked earlier like who should be at this table and I, I want to maybe make, make a, a recommendation there is, you know, having a large group of people is really hard. I I feel like I'm already taking up space um, too much in in this conversation, but the subgroups could be a place where we could also invite other, not only other voices, not not only create like um, experiences for engagement, but actually having participation in subcommittees from other voices that aren't around the table. So for example, like I, I know there's a youth um, you know, there are a number of organizations that are doing youth leadership and youth uh, development and other things. So like Fresh Life for Youth, Susie Rivera is not part of this particular group, but she is, she is actively meeting on a weekly basis and they're developing and they're having these kind of conversations, you know, there, that's an example. Another, uh, another subset that is not adequately represented around this table is uh, intimate partner violence. You know, th- those organizations and institutions and survivors that have been, that are there, can they be either directly af- in this venue or in a subgroup uh, kind of environment, making sure that we're able to do that. And you had asked that question earlier. Um, I think in the last point I want to make is I I want to, you know, I, I wanted to reserve judgment around whether or not the resources are adequate to this particular uh, point, you know, um, CC and your team, I'm very excited to be able to work with you and meet with you more about as you're developing this process, but I want to make sure that there are adequate resources to be able to do those things. And also, among the research needs that we that we have are what's actually happening in other communities. There's a lot of expertise. There's a lot of act- activity that's happening. It would be nice to have some speakers like you were suggesting, Angel, but there are other organizations as well, uh, other communities that have actually um, gone pretty far. They've been working on it years ahead of us um, and have actually taken some big leaps in the last year or so, and it'd be really great to be able to uh, understand, uh, understand their context and bring that into the space as quickly as possible. Thank you. Very, 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 good feedback.
10: Thank you. Um, let's see, uh, Peter, Peter Ortiz. Great. Um, so, some of the speakers have already said a few of the points I wanted to raise. So, uh, I'll limit my my talking points. the The main two, two items. Right. The, the The first item is uh, I agree we sh- we shouldn't be um, reinventing the wheel. And there are several other cities, Oakland being one that had a reimagining public safety task force, Oakland being um, uh, uh, a city that did a very equitable process. I've been looking and doing research on some of their recommendations and just what the process was like, um, I would I would encourage, you know, um, our, our team here with the city to review that process, specifically how they segmented their recommendations. Right. Like, yes, I I understand that there, there is the need to address. There's a great need to address Uh, police reform. However, as long as we continue to limit ourselves to only looking at the police and not outside of the box at what could possibly be, uh, um, uh, such as like mental health uh, first responders or maybe developing uh, or uh, maybe reimagining roles that currently the police play and removing some of the already multiple hats that they have, right, and freeing Mm -hmm. them up to do more, um, more serious cases, and having you know traffic uh, issues responded by a different department or by a whole, a whole different system, right? Like we, we need to come back uh, to these conversations, knowing that you know the system currently as it is, regardless of the reform that you know has been invested into it, has not returned uh, uh, results. So I, I'm hoping that this this group can really look at alternatives. For uh, um, policing in our communities. Thank you.
0: Uh, that's a great point, Peter. And, and you know, if 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 you haven't had a chance to read the 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 first you know the memo that we actually used to present this to the Mayor and Council, that was actually the spirit of it, right? Which is really looking at non-traditional partners that historically you know haven't been partnered up with PD to address uh, to ensure community safety, right? It doesn't have to be a police-centric approach to uh, uh, you know. You know, ensuring safety, uh, you know, with, with our police department, there's a lot of nonprofit organizations that provide a lot of uh, safety net in our community to ensure safety. So, yeah, a point, point very well taken. Um, see, uh, Walter, Walter Wilson.
17: Good afternoon, everyone. I'm, I apologize for being late today. I was in another meeting over here at La Raza with our esteemed brother, um, Victor Garza. I'm sitting here, actually. Um, oh, I'm oh, glad oh. I came in when I did. And I heard Sister Latoya uh, questioning about the safety issue. And I just heard what some of the other people just had to say, but let me just Hold on, Walter. I think you're cutting what's off. different than
0: LA. There you go.
17: I, I said, what's going on here in Santa Clara County is different than Oakland, is mm-hmm. different than San Francisco, is different than LA. And, and because of that, we I, I agree that we need to take a look at what other people are doing. But as far as reinventing the wheel, I don't think we can reinvent this wheel. This is a very unique wheel that is happening here. And the idea that we're looking at other options, that's great. We need to do that. But let me share something with you. I'm sitting at Santana Road last Thursday with uh, my 13-year-old son. And guess what? Two officers walked by, uh, a Latino officer and a white officer. The white officer, it,
0: it, Walter, you're, Walter you're you're cutting off you know what uh if you maybe if you take off your video that may help your
17: oh yeah okay let me try that so anyway, so yeah, we were um, at Santana Road, an officer walked by, a white officer looked at me and these kids and just rolled his eyes out of nowhere for no reason whatsoever. So, you know, there's some real issues going on in San Jose Police Department and all police departments in this country. Racism is a real problem in these police departments. It's historical, it's real, it's everyday and it's present. Two days ago, a um, Indian family, Native American family was homeless family was in a park out here in East San Jose uh, by Silver Creek and 1130 at night, 20 police officers came out there and tore up their encampment. It's like it was a family of seven, three kids and, and two adults, and uh, something like that. But at 1130 at night, they came out and destroyed their, their encampment. 20 police officers, which means if it's 20 police officers doing that at 1130 at night, that had to rise to the level of some captain or somebody had to order something like that to happen. That, 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 that type of action is, you know, that's terrorism. To do that to a family, kids, and everybody who are sleeping, and, and their people who are homeless. So, there's some real serious problems happening here. I refuse to engage in, you know, um, I don't know, happy talk or whatever it is, where we're talking about other things we need to talk about this police department, who these people are in the police department, and what we're gonna do about their attitudes towards people of color. I mean, that's a serious problem here. So, you know, I'm, I'm great. It's good we could talk about mental health and all these other issues. I mean, just yesterday I was in Peters on a Zoom actually with the county exec and a guy was in front of my car just talking all kinds of crazy stuff jumping around and it came to me that this guy because I was parked in my car on a zoom it came to me that this guy had mental problems so the people that were with me called the police and I said listen this guy, I mean, he was saying all kinds of racist stuff, you know, putting a gun in his his finger to his head like he was blowing his head off and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I told the officer, I said, this guy clearly has some behavioral health problems, so approach him in that manner. Don't go over there and beat this guy up or whatever. So, yeah, the real issues. Have some real serious problems. But I'm saying that inside the San Jose Police Department. The racism there is tenable it's real it's every day, and it's happening and it's about the attitudes of those law enforcement officers who are walking around these streets, supposedly protecting the public. The only public they're protecting is like Al dance somewhere they might be they might protect Rose Garden they might protect Willow Glen, but they ain't protecting East San Jose, and they definitely ain't protecting people of color so I'm not letting you guys run off with that this whatever it is you're doing. The other thing I want to say to you is this angel, you are mentioning that there's a broader um a broader effort in in terms of um, uh, changing the uh, transforming the police department I like to know who's part of that effort because I definitely don't need to be at that table maybe I'm at the wrong table because if this if this reimagining San Jose if that's not a big part of it then we're in the wrong place because at the end of the day let me help you guys the reason people are reimagining anything is because a black man died a black man died with a knee on his neck all of a sudden everybody wants to reimagine but let's just bring it where it is. The reality is, George Floyd was murdered. That's why we're here for reimagining. We're not reimagining because of behavioral health problems, he had mental health problems, or any of those things. We're reimagining because he was murdered by some racist law enforcement officers in this country. So let's just keep, keep it on point and where, where it really is and where it should be coming from. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you, Walter, for that, uh, for that insight there. Uh, Scott Nies.
18: You asked for data point, and if we had the chat feature, I would have just typed this in Angel. I think we need to start with where the uh, police calls for service in our city are, the types of calls, where they are geographically in the city, and kind of to points that have already been made by Peter and Poncho and others, I think it's really important for us to identify those non-emergency calls for service and, and this is going to be one of the areas, whether it's for mental mental health call or traffic calls or whatever, uh, this is going to be a, I think one of the areas we'll be able to find whether we're deploying the, the police resources that we do have, uh, but I do think it's very important that we don't limit this just to 911 calls that we're looking at the 311 and the uh, non-emergency 10-digit city number as well, that's the one that you call and you're put on hold for 20, 25 minutes before somebody responds. So I, I think collecting that data is, is going to be a baseline for us to move into some of these uh, solutions that we're looking for uh, to improve community safety.
0: Thanks, Scott. All right, uh, so call, calls for service data. Um, all right, I, I don't see any other hands. Um, am I missing anybody?
14: No.
0: OK. So, so, so that's, so that, so that's where we are. Uh, and again, this is, it, it, you know, it's an iterative process. And, and the goal is that ho- hopefully as, as each meeting goes by, we get closer and closer to kind of really honing in on, 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 on action. And, 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 you know, let's also be real about this too, right? I mean, when you look at six months, it's what can we do over that six month period to really hone in to, uh, to drive, uh, and enable community safety. And then what we may find is there are other deep rooted issues that need a deeper dive on. And, and, and that could also be a parallel recommendation that goes back to the Mayor and council. You know, some of the issues that were brought up today, you know, that where, where we're, di- where we're talking about kind of more entrenched systemic issues uh, you know, that may require a, a heavier lift and, and that, can be part of a recommendation in terms of some, in terms of additional work going forward. Right. And so it's not an either or thing. Right. And so, uh, I I would just say, you know, let's, um, you know, you know, you know, the, the process that we've kind of laid out, uh, you know, it, it'll, it'll be organic, it'll be iterative, it's not gonna be perfect by any means, but the goal is is in short order, what can we do to really facilitate and enable community safety, as well as I'm sure we're gonna identify some real alarming things along the way. And that will be part of the conversation with, with uh, the city manager and then uh, ultimately the mayor and council as well. And so um, I'm sure it is gonna be an adventurous ride here. Um, but, um, But before we go over to public comment, are there any other comments, questions, uh, go to the order type of uh, comments or questions? Uh, Maritza.
8: Hi, I think uh, the one thing to remember is when you uh, have policing in communities of color that have been oppressed for generations, that many times, the imposter syndrome is is there around more policing in our community is going to make me safe. And I think uh, that's a way deeper dive, but I think it's an important uh, piece to lift up um, that that's what we hear a lot of in in, uh, highly impacted communities of color. Um, And then we have it repeated by our mayor uh, that has said publicly, You know, I go out to East San Jose and I hear them always say that they want more policing. Um, And and so I I say that because I think it's an important piece as we do this work, that there's a lot of internalized oppression that has happened. um, And um, and uh, the police force that have uh, killed uh, black and brown kids all over this nation. that, um, you know, that's the only way that we've conditioned uh, some, some of our thinking, right, that more police is going to keep us safe, um, which I just uh, want to lift up and part as, as part of this conversation.
0: Thanks. Thank you, Maritza. Um, anything else good in the order before we uh, go to public comment? All right. Uh, Fred.
15: You know, we have talked about additional 21st century policing. You know, let's get a definition of what that actually means, because if you continue to have 20 police officers to evacuate seven people, did you really need 20 once you went through your, your process of checking, making sure it's no weapons, you no know, whatever it may have been? You could have used maybe four and 16 could have been somewhere else doing something else. So I would like to know what is our, I, I think the chief's on today with us. Uh, are we gonna be able to see what the budget is and, and, and where those dollars are going towards for this committee? Because we want, we're talking about presenting something to the city council, but yet how are you gonna do that if you don't know what the police department actually is budgeted for? If you're talking about budgeting for additional Uh, Psychiatrists to go out with police officers is that in the budget uh, right now, or is that something we're going to suggest? Which I'm pretty sure all of us will. So, my thing is, is it a possibility for us to see what's in the budget for the upcoming budget anyway? Just to you know, give us some type of idea what direction we need to go into and make suggestions. uh, I, I, I
0: think you know, under the, the discovery phase of this, I think that's the type of data that, uh, that can be requested and, and it's, it's, it's all public information. And, and yeah, I would say to the extent that that helps frame uh, recommendations and, and even a better understanding of, of how resources are, are used and deployed and all that, I think all that's fair game, right? And so, uh, so the answer would be yes. Um, and um, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Paula.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to echo what some people have said before about how there's so many people, so many communities who have had bad encounters with police. And they don't find any help or any sort of kind of relief from having police near them or just getting the support that they're supposed to provide. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what that means for us is um, instead of investing in that same system that has proven not to work, instead of investing in other forms of safety, specifically ones where people are like have all their work allocated towards specific needs, whether that's creating like a specific office to deal with um, sexual assault cases, where people are actually trained to handle victim to handle and communicate with victims and refer them to services. Ones where people are are trained to handle youth, are aware of and are properly trained in terms of. Um, being able to handle the situations and um, meet their mental health needs. I think that is what we're trying to go for instead of once again investing in the system that does not work and has showed us that it will not work us, will not work and will not benefit the community. Okay.
0: All right. Thank you, Paula. We'll go over to Hildi.
7: So one of the things in listening today that I'm hearing, and this is just my perspective, is that there may be areas that we as a group would agree earlier on in the process relative to how we think about community safety that we could coalesce around earlier in the process, come to some agreement on and try to be able to move forward as to those recommendations earlier than six months and then take a few other recommendations that we continue to dive deeper and that we as a group coalesce around and determine that we wanna move forward with. Because I'm hearing that like all of us, we want to see progress with, within the community and that there may be elements. I'm, I'm hearing, I heard a number of people talk about alternative ways of addressing mental health issues, alternative ways of dealing with other things. And if there are earlier on items that we think as a group, do we need to wait for six months?
0: Yeah, i I think you framed that really well. And the answer is no, we don't have to wait for six months. In fact, when we went to the mayor and council with uh, with with this recommendation, it, it it was centered around um around action. And if there's something that we could do sooner than later, if there's an idea that we can actually take to, you know, f- you know, develop, formulate, and vet through in the next three weeks, we, we could that on the agenda and take it sooner than that you know we don't have to wait until this process is over to come up with a kind of list of final recommendations so yeah uh yeah the answer is uh you know if if we could get it done we could we could recommend it sooner so absolutely and and that's really the goal right uh you know we're not we're not tied to the you know to the timeline around okay uh there's a few recommendations that have already been kind of generated just in terms of um, you know, via email and, and people chatting, and I think there's some real strong ones there that I think we could move sooner than later. Um, so, absolutely, let's yeah, we're gonna err in sight of action. Um, let's see. Um, okay, so I don't see any other blue hands, and so we should probably shift over to public comment. And uh, I may need some help on this. I'm going to shift my screen here, uh, and I see under public comment uh, there's uh, so Paul Paul Soto.
19: Uh, yes, thank you, Angel, and uh, good afternoon to the council. Um, you are—you are, This is a paradigm shift in the history of, of uh, California as it relates to San Jose policing. San Jose Police Department was formed in 1849. In 1849, that was the date by which it was policy to decapitate the heads of Native Americans. They paid $5 per head, 25 cents per scalp. It was the protection of that institution of the extermination of the native americans that formed the san jose police department this must be our start point i cannot thank shannon enough for being here it's a privilege and an honor to share time and space with a man like you i am a native uh I'm a registered California Mission Indian, and my nation is the Comie. I am also a Chicano that suffered in the policies over in South I have six generations. The the sixth generation was just recently born here in San Jose. I have over 30 years inside of institutions, site wards, um, uh, fricking recovery houses, homeless on the street, living in tents, getting kicked in doorways in downtown San Jose. Because Scott Neese needed, uh, uh, you know, his customers. I was in the way. I was in the way of, of, of him having customers. I'm sorry, excuse me. So we have to come to a point where that must be the start point because we can have all the data in the world. Unless we get to the core of what created San Jose in the first place, which is that racial, bestial, savage brutality. That decapitated the heads of people and paid $5 per head. I have all the documentations to support every contention that I make on a public level. Now, to the contemporary, to concretely, what first needs to be done, SB 1421. That has not been mentioned. SB 1421 needs immediate, immediate adherence. It's been passed for two years. We're still waiting. I need that. Number two, I have not heard a statement, a formal statement from the police department in this conversation. I would like to hear a formal statement in terms of why the police department thinks that we're here today. Why do they think we're here?
0: Thank you. Thank you, Paul. And then next we have uh, Brenda Zendejas.
12: Hi, I just wanna thank you all for being here. And um, I know that this is a hard task for a lot of the community members, but it's also a change that's needed and that, you know, it's gonna be a difficult thing to do because change is never easy. Um, I can't wait to see all of your guys' proposals. I think that um, one of the biggest things that our community needs right now is uh, mental health um, responders, drug and narcotics abuse responders, and different um, groups that meet the necessities of our community. Because we don't need police responding to every single little thing coming with um, more aggression or um, no form to de-escalate situations. And I think that I am glad that this is done. I think it's time for this change. Um, If we truly want to see a system change, we have to start with defunding the police and allocating those funds to the community needs and uh, the programs that... We really need in San Jose. Thank you.
0: Okay, um, there's uh, Carlos Rosario.
2: Hi, thank you. Uh, it's Carlos Rosario with Santa Clara County uh, Black Lawyers Association. I wanted to uh, actually echo what, uh, what Walter Wilson said. Um, just the racism in San Jose uh, Police Department. There, there's just there's folks there that are just unfortunately act like that. In my experience, um, from being around some police and being a lawyer and whatnot, I've heard at least two of them tell me that they wish they could put the entire East Side in a mass grave. Um, I think it's something that should be explored. And um, I'm interested in seeing kind of what the outcome of this whole uh, commission ends up being. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Carlos. See, I see no other speakers under public comment. Uh, my team, at you see? Am I missing anybody? Uh,
9: Not in public comment, but we do have Walter who's raised his hand.
0: All right, so let. All right, so let, let's close out public comment, and <clears throat> we'll go back to uh, to Walter um, Walter Wilson.
17: Hello, again. thank you for allowing me to speak a, a second time. I appreciate it. Um, I want people to understand this. This process that's happening here, this opportunity, is a great opportunity for us to bring about change in this community. So, and I think that um, you know, to be part of it is a, is a privilege and an honor. And so, I hope we understand that that this is um, something that's not happening everywhere in the country. It's maybe happening in some places, but that we hap- we have it happening here. We're fortunate that we have the leadership <clears throat> who's willing to move forward and, um, and li- really listen to the public and bring about change as we look towards the future. But I did ask a question um, earlier about this broader effort that you talked about, um, Angel, uh, to address uh, police reform. And I was curious about what is that broader effort and where can people engage that? Thank you so much.
0: Okay. And and so for now, uh, you you know, what what I'll point you to is, is, um, and I believe Gina, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we sent this as an attachment. There's a memo there's an attachment on that memo that has a police reform work plan. Uh, Take a look at that memo. Uh, That attachment kind of captures all the police reform work that's happening internally. Um, it's not, uh, and it's really the beginning of, of a lot of work, um, and it's still being developed. So I also don't want to give the implication that it's all kind of worked out and all figured out, but it's really the place where we're kind of capturing the different police reform related issues that need to be addressed. Um, and so let's use that as a starting point. Um, I, I do want to create enough of a distinction between that body of work and this work so then that so that way we can really get focused around, uh, you know, really looking at some nontraditional approaches. For example, the one that Peter mentioned with respect to, you know, a mental health partnership, for example, um, there, there's others that have been identified around, you know, what happens when a, a person is sighted and, uh, and, you know, can they be redirected to get some help, right, uh, some kind of transformative help. Um, um, and so I, I would point you to that there, um, uh, as a starting place. And then I would also imagine that what we'll be doing is over the course of this conversation, to the extent that there is information, ideas, thoughts around police reform we will capture that. And then we'll also have you know, a conversation with, with our team, with our city manager and, and others internally around how we also better connect the community to that broader effort. Um, because I think there's going to be an opportunity for that as well. So um, well, more to come on that.
17: The difference between that work and this work is what would you say is the difference? I heard you mention about, you know, yeah. mental health, but what's the specific difference between the two? Because yeah. well it, uh, it sounds like you're saying that the work that they're going to be doing over there is distinctly different from what we're going to be doing over here, and I just want to know if that's the case. What is the difference? So everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. May, maybe the maybe the best way of answering that would be to, to provide an example. So, for example, um, you know it, the example the example that some of you gave, and I think Peter was the last one to give it, was around, for example, uh, a police response to a situation involving somebody who may uh, may be addressing or or maybe involved uh, or maybe dealing with some mental health issues right and so how we respond to that issue to ensure that there's a kind of a de-escalation not resulting in, in 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 this individual getting hurt or even incarcerated but rather uh reached out to in a manner where we're addressing the underlying mental health issues as opposed to treating this individual as a as a criminal for example right and so you know doing that right now you know right now we we have a pilot going on around that but doing that and how we formalize that approach and how we more importantly how do we formalize those partnerships for example with county behavioral health uh, mental health uh, other nonprofits that are in this uh, in this field as well and then and then and formalize that system so it's not just based on you know the officer that shows up or the or the incident but rather there's more intentional thinking around how do we actually develop that as a protocol for how we're going to respond to situations such as that right and that's just one example there there there, you know there could be others um the other one that comes you know uh, to mind would be for example when you take a look at um uh you know communities where where we're we're seeing a disproportionate number of black and brown kids uh, being cited and or arrested, right? So in, in those situations there, can we create a system that basically says, okay, if if the law was being broken for whatever reason, is there an opportunity to intervene in this person's life? Right. And also we need to understand kind of the, the why behind why that's happening too. Right. Because that helps inform kind of, you know, helps us better understand what's going on, but more importantly, you know, how are we intentionally connecting, you know, a a young 14 year old person um, that, that maybe has been recruited by gangs or, 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 or other, you know, um, you know other kind of negative behaviors um so that they don't end up in the cycle of of incarceration and which we know just gets worse and worse right and so then how do we redirect that and how do we ensure that we create something intentionally to make sure that that 14 year old you know uh teenager uh gets the help that he or she needs right um and 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 it's supported right and and where we're not only we're not we're not interacting with this individual as if they're a criminal but we're understanding what, what are the driving forces that led to somebody being 14 um, you know getting engaged with the gang or, uh, or, or or any other you know behavior that could be um, negative for them or the community right
17: let me ask you this suppose the person breaking the law is the police department how would this how does this group interact with that? That.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well I, I think, I, I think it, it, in, in the exact same way, I think, you know, we would have to look at that situation and, uh, and, and look at the data, look at the uh, lived experiences, look at this information and formulate recommendations accordingly. I don't think police is exempt from this uh, as well. Thank you. And, and and I want to be the first to say that you know we we don't have all the answers you know right now we have more questions than not and but and that's really why we're relying on you know uh, on, on this group and and on uh, on really the wisdom in our community you know in my culture you know there, there's there's something called the Clementine that goes back to Mesoamerican times where it's a kind of a council of elders and a council of and that's really what we're going to need to kind of really tap into is the wisdom of multiple perspectives that we've kind of pulled together uh, to to really. Address the issues of community safety, uh, as, as well as even identifying maybe misconceptions or, or or misassumptions that we've made along the way and challenge those and correct those. Right. Um, and so, um, again, don't don't uh, you know don't claim to have all the answers. Uh, but but I think that the intent for wanting to ensure community safety is definitely there, and that's authentic, and, and that's uh, what we're going to continue to bring to this table and, and this conversation. So um all right. Uh oh okay. let me see here. Uh, let me see. Uh, Tiffany, we, we got we got three other folks. Uh Tiffany Maciel.
11: Hi, thank you. Um so I I just wanted to point out first, thank you, Paula, for being the only other person other than me that brought up disability <laughs> during during um your comments. I appreciate that there's someone else that um is focusing on that and has that in their like at the forefront of their consciousness when they're in these meetings. Um, And because because we've talked a lot about race and mental health and police violence, I I wanted to point out that there's several studies, and I'm happy if anyone emails me to share them, that estimate 60 to 80 percent of those killed by police are disabled. Um, And I definitely acknowledge as others have pointed out this intersectionality and I, when you intersect race with poverty and disability, it's like a one way ticket to really bad places for people. Um, so I appreciate all the information and the, the knowledge that is here and, um, what I've learned, but I feel like I would be doing a disservice to the people that I'm trying to represent on this panel if I didn't point out that really important fact. So it's not just mental health and people with disabilities are often um, mislabeled as having a mental health issue when really there's an underlying communication need. So I, I just wanted to leave everyone with that sort of gentle reminder that disability is really important when we talk about this. And the school-to-prison pipeline or preschool-to-prison pipeline is very real, and we can do something. Thank you for for hearing my thoughts.
0: Thank you, Tiffany. That's important. Uh, Peter.
10: Yeah, Uh, I just realized I wasn't able to address um, the other part of what I was going to say earlier. But first off, I think, one, uh, I just want to clarify that. One, I believe, it's extremely important for us to address systemic and uh, inherent racism that exists within our government institutions. That goes not just for the police department; that goes for all institutions. This was a white supremacy-based society, so everything from a- schools to to the police department to even, you know, uh, 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 our environmental practices as governing bodies are based and affected by race. Um, and, you know, I understand that some people may feel uncomfortable hearing that, but um, I'm going to say that regardless. Uh, and, and two, I think um, we need to address racism within our police department and also focus on the root causes of what individuals see as uh, uh, community, community issues. Um, so I'm hoping that with these final recommendations, we can look at ways to reform the police but also see some recommendations that allude to universal childcare for our students so that they can get early childhood education and compete with you know, families in other areas. Um, that also we could see recommendations like um, workforce training programs to get our young people of color into livable wage jobs. Um, because a lot of times the, those those uh, solutions are overlooked when we look at community safety, but really those are solutions to the roots of what the problem is.
0: Thank you. So thank you. All right, Uh, our last speaker is uh, Latoya.
4: Yes, thank you. Um, Yeah, so just wanted to leave uh, leave with sharing a couple things too. Uh, Just one, just in our space, like you know, just kind of uh, based on like what Peter is saying about our you know the white supremacist structure that even coming into this space like just can't be transactional. So, I mean, I don't know, we gotta find ways to come back and figure out how do we come into this space and feel connected and engaged as a community because, I, and I know I'm not the only person here today that felt a bit, a bit triggered by some of the struck, the way that this was structured, in um, the way that we're operating in this space, because because it still mirrors that white supremacist transactional way of interacting, and that's not how to get the communities that we need engaged in this process. Really engaged, right? So thinking about that um, and how we really set the tone, you know, for how this is going to go. And the other thing, you know, really engaging Black youth in this process, because there are a lot of instances where we could say Black and Brown experience the same. Like here and in, in, in this county, there is a clear huge disproportionality even between Black students and students of color when we're talking about arrests and citations that goes back into the school system the education system they're filtered into the school to prison pipeline because they're over disciplined because of the systemic racism that also exists within our schools and on our school boards so even thinking about that and looking in this space and i'm like and and there are a lot of youth groups in the county right we've got uh we've got yac we've got um the commission we got all these different things but most of these groups do not have black youth on them or they don't have more than one black youth voice on them. And if we're talking about a group that that where there's a high disproportionality, we need to make sure that those, those voices are at this table, um, especially considering the black community is such a small percentage of the population here. So to see those numbers is very disheartening. So just thinking about how do we you know, really um, include our, our black community in a way that is empowering and uplifting um, and it and is gonna generate some action. So, thank you.
0: All right, th- thank you for that, Latoya. All right, well, we're right at three o'clock. Um, you know, uh, in, in terms of next step, you'll be hearing from Cece and her team uh, between now and the next meeting. Uh, uh, they'll be d- reaching out to, to do a deeper dive around some, some group assessment work. Um, Our next meeting is April 22nd. Uh, You should have also received kind of an email with kind of like the list of all the different meetings coming up. If there's any questions that you have between now and then, please feel free to reach out uh, to anybody on our team. Gina is our point point of contact around communication. And thank you so much for joining us um, and spending your your Friday afternoon uh, together in community here. So thank you.